Uh, welcome to our Sunday School, our continuation in the book of Jeremiah. Before we dig into today's passage, let me open our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for uh, who you are uh, and your perfect uh, character uh, that you uh, do right in all things you do and you administer justice perfectly. Uh, even today, as we study your prophetic uh, words uh, to, uh, to kings in Judah's past, uh, we see you call um, your earthly shepherds uh, to, um, to rule the same way you do, with righteousness and justice. But um, we confess that too often uh, we uh, seek to augment ourselves rather than honoring and glorying you. Uh, we use the power that you give us um, for our own benefit and gain rather than using it to um, help those uh, who are in need and those who are weakest and most vulnerable in our society. Lord, as we uh, look at Judah and see uh, how it uh, went uh, uh, awry in so many ways, pray that you would open our eyes to see our own uh, sin and, and misdeeds, uh, but that we would also see what a great Savior that we have, our Lord Jesus Christ, who clothes us with his perfect righteousness uh, and took upon himself uh, that perfect justice that we deserve. Uh, help us uh, respond to uh, the good uh, things he's done in us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit he's put in us, that we might do good to those around us. Um, bless us as we uh, study your word this morning. Uh, guide us into all truth. Um, most of all, help us see Jesus. We pray in his name by the power of your spirit. Amen. First of all, forgive the device. My printer was refusing to cooperate with me this morning. So um, that's why the computer's up here. Um, so just to briefly recap, uh, where we are last week, and you can go ahead and turn. This week, we're going to be mostly in chapter 22. There's a little tail end of chapter 21 that we didn't really talk about much last week, um, but is very much um, connected to the themes of chapter 22. Um, so we'll, we'll be looking mostly at chapter 22, but we'll start our reading uh, at the end of chapter 21, starting in verse 11. So just to remind you uh, where we are, so last week um, we finished up first chapter 20, um, and we spent uh, most of our time last week looking at Jeremiah's uh, internal response, his lament, um, after he was mocked and beaten um, at the beginning of chapter 20. And we saw how once again he complained to God with bitter words and even wishing he had never been born. Nevertheless, the word of God remained in him, and he could not keep silent. God called him to be a prophet, and thus he continued to proclaim God's word, even if the message was one of violence and destruction. Jeremiah, we saw, knew theologically, <laughs> knew um, uh, you know, in his mind that, quote, the Lord is with me as a dread warrior, therefore my persecutors will stumble. But in his daily experience, uh, he got discouraged, uh, as we do, from being isolated and persecuted by others. 
And we saw in that section of at the end of chapter 20 how Jeremiah coupled praise with God with lament for his current circumstances. So then we jumped into chapter 21, uh, which uh, starts a section of Jeremiah that continues uh, into um, chapter 23, which we'll look at next week, which is, is bringing together um, various uh, prophecies of Jeremiah primarily focused on kings, um, both generically over all the house of David and then specific words addressed to specific kings. And we saw chapter 21 started with a, um, uh, it, the, the first part of chapter 21 was provoked by an inquiry of King Zedekiah. Uh, he sent two of his um, uh, officials uh, to, um, to talk to Jeremiah while the city of Jerusalem was under siege by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Um, and at this final moment of Judah's hi history, Zedekiah, um, uh, sent to, or Zedekiah sent to Jeremiah hoping for a miraculous deliverance, much like one that uh, happened when God destroyed the Assyrians when they besieged Jerusalem in Hezekiah's day. So uh, Zedekiah asked, inquire of the Lord, Perhaps the Lord will, will deal with us according to all his wonderful deeds and make him, that is Nebuchadnezzar, withdraw from us. And God's response to Zedekiah, we saw, was the opposite <laughs> of what Zedekiah had asked. Instead of destroying uh, the Babylonians uh, and removing their arms, uh, he was going to remove the weapons of Jerusalem um, and, and take Zedekiah and Jerusalem into captivity. Um, Israel's leaders, we talked about, cannot remain committed to their sin and expect God to bring miraculous deliverance from their enemies. In fact, God has determined to deliver them uh, in, to Nebuchadnezzar in judgment for all their sins. And then we spent some time talking about the only hope for the people in the city, Jeremiah is telling them, is to surrender, to go over to the Babylonians who are the instruments of God's justice. By acknowledging their sin and accepting their punishment, they will get to keep their lives as the prize of the war, even as they're taken into captivity. So at the end of chapter 21 and throughout chapter 22, uh, Jeremiah uh, continues with this collection of prophecies addressed to various sons of King Josiah. He contrasts the ideal qualities that God wants to see demonstrated in kings with the actual behaviors and fates of these men who use their power to augment their own wealth and status rather than administering justice and righteousness, particularly to the weakest in society who most need a king's protection. So with that, as a word of introduction, here now the word of God will start uh, at chapter 21, um, verse 11, and we'll read through to the end of chapter 22. And to the house of the king of Judah say, hear the word of the Lord. O house of David, thus says the Lord, execute justice in the morning and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of your evil deeds. Behold, I'm against you, O inhabitant of the valley, O rock of the plain, declares the Lord. You who say, who shall come down against us or who shall enter our habitations? 
I will punish you according to the fruit of your deeds, declares the Lord. I will kindle a fire in her forest, and it shall devour all that is around her. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, You are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon, Yet surely I will make you a desert and uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choice of cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord dealt with this great city? Dealt thus with this great city. And they, shall, they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and worshipped other gods, and served them. Weep not for him who is dead, nor grieve for him, but weep bitterly for he, him who goes away, for he shall return no more to see his native land. For thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of Josiah his father, and who went away from this place, he shall return here no more. But in the place where they have carried him captive, there he shall die, and he shall never see this land again. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and, make, and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve him for nothing and does not give him his wages, who, say, who says, I will build myself a great house with spacious upper rooms, who cuts out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Do you think you are a king? Because you compete in cedar? Did, your, did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and the needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, declares the Lord? But you have, have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing oppression and violence. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, my brother, or Ah, sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, or Ah, his majesty. With the burial of a donkey he shall be buried, dragged and dumped beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out and lift up your voice in Bashan. Cry out from Abarim, for all your lovers are destroyed. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth, that you have not obeyed my voice. The wind shall shepherd all your shepherds, and your lovers shall go into captivity. Then you will be ashamed and confounded because of your evil, all your evil. O inhabitant of Lebanon, nested among the cedars, 
how you will be pitied when pangs come upon you, pain as of a woman in labor. As I live, declares the Lord, though Keniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they will long to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Coniah, a despised broken pot, a vessel no one cares for? Why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land that they do not know? O land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his days. For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. Thus far the word of our God. May he bless it as we talk of it together this morning. So after Jeremiah presented God's specific response to King Zedekiah in chapter 21, in verses 21, 11 um, through uh, chapter 22, um, verse 9, we get these um, more gen general message presented to the house of David. Notice the twice repeated. Uh, hear, o, hear the word of the Lord, verse 11 and 12, O house of David, and then again, um, uh, thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word. Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David. So how does God expect Davidic kings to act? Like, as we look at um, the end of 21 and the first part of 22, uh, he's focused on his, the kind of characteristics he wants uh, in, um, in his rulers over his people. So, so what are those characteristics? What does an ideal king look like? Yeah, Dave. No, I think it actually refers to actual theft. <laughs> like, so, you know, it, as we think of, you know, what, what government's for, um, what a king's for, uh, it's, it's to, to maintain order, to make sure that um, people receive justice, that things are not stolen from them. And, and notice it comes up again. Um, uh, deliver from the hand of the presser he who, him who has been robbed. Um, later on, we see um, this description of uh, Jehoiakim, but you have eyes and heart only for dishonest gain. So there, there seems to be um, going on um, theft, um, taking resources of people, and particularly the people um, that, whose focus on here, the people who can't defend themselves, taking stuff from them. So... The, the focus is on a good king would get up in, early in the morning um, and, and execute from, the, from daybreak to dawn, make sure that, that justice is performed in his land, that, 
that people aren't being robbed in the streets. That's you know, what a king is there for, uh, to help protect his people, and particularly the most vulnerable of his people. Good, what else um, does God want uh, from a king that, uh, what does he expect of these kings? So don't make sure people aren't getting robbed in the streets. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we like that. Um, what else? What's a king supposed to do? Supposed to be like? What? What's that? Yes. Yeah, stop their evil deeds. <laughs> so instead of themselves doing evil, um, stop it, the evil uh, going around. Grant, you had your hand up too. Yeah, the stranger, like, and again, if you think, like, um, you know, in societies, like, it's the, the strangers, all, when bad things happen, it's often the stranger or the newcomer is the one who gets scapegoated. Like, you know, all the ills of society get, you know, placed on, you know, whoever's coming in. Like, my one of my classes right now, we're studying uh, late 19th century immigrants, and so, you know, uh, it, the Italians are being blamed for everything. <laughs> um, those, those crazy anarchists, and they're bringing in tuberculosis, and sorry, Chris, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what they were saying. Like, I don't think it's true, but, but, you know, but that was like, here are new people, they're set apart by language and culture, and in this case, uh, religion, because most of those Italians were coming into places like Boston, um, and they're bringing in Catholicism, and and so it's easy to to take the the sojourner, the the alien who's come and dwelt in your midst, and and abuse them, and them not having the same kind, receiving the same kind of treatment as um, as the Israelites, uh, and it's you know it happens then. We can see it happening now. Like it's it's the people who who, you know, are, in a, like, if we think in our setting, illegal aliens, they're the ones who are, can, are ripe for exploitation in so many ways. Like, you can impress them in so many ways because, you know, they have no one, in a sense, protecting them. They don't have the same kind of legal safeguards as a citizen does. And the same thing is true for, you know, a widow, like, you know, again, someone whose husband's died, like that they, they can be taken advantage of, they can be defrauded. Like, I mean, again, like uh, this isn't just them. Like, like think of how many um, schemes are out there that target old people, you know, people who are alone. Like, you know, call and say, you know, so-and-so, your, your granddaughter, you know, had a car accident, send a check, you know, and, and you know, they're taken advantage of. Uh, and that's, again, nothing new under the sun in terms of the evil that human beings do to other evil. But a good king is supposed to stop those kind of things. Is supposed to be the one of all people who make sure that the, the weakest, the most vulnerable, are, are protected and taken care of. Yeah, Greg.
So um, Deuteronomy chapter 24 um, is, there are lots of, as you say, Greg, there are lots of places um, in, in the law. Like, this is part of God's covenant agreement with his people. It's not new. Even before they had a king, <laughs> and again, uh, God knows, like, when you cry out and want a king, <laughs> this is what a king is supposed to do, like, um, and, and, and gives laws for how kings are supposed to act. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not go into his house to collect his pledge. You shall not stand outside, and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. If he's a poor man, you shall not sleep in his pledge. You shall restore to him the pledge as the sun sets, that he may sleep in the coat and bless you, and it shall be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor or needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in your land within your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. And it goes on and on. There are lots of passages in Deuteronomy that have those kinds and, and other places in the law that have those kinds of laws to protect widows, to protect the poor, to protect the sojourner. Um, as you say, like this is the expectation built into the covenant. And as we think about the social injustice going on here, um, it, it has that, uh, you know, Jeremiah is presenting it with that sense of a double wrong. It's a sin against these people, but even more, it's a sin against the God who's, who's you know, given you these laws, who's entered into covenant with you, and you're not just oppressing them, you're, you're, um, you're rebelling against God by not administering righteousness and justice to the least of these. So it, it has that double offense. It's not just social injustice for social injustice sake. It's social injustice as a violation of God's covenant expectations for how his people are to live and how his king is supposed to rule. Good. Other things uh, that we see expectations for the king. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, it's it's more like he's he's the one who, you know, makes sure justice is done. Like, yes, there's a division. Like, uh, he's like I mean, sometimes you get like you know, think of the case that comes before Solomon. Like sometimes, like the king is the court of last appeal. It's, I mean, in this society, like, all power rests in the king. So even if judges are handling most of the, 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 the daily load, the responsibility uh, rests on him to make sure that justice is executed. So if he's turning a blind eye to, you know, exploitation going on, then it's a problem at, you know, not just of what his lackeys are doing, but, you know, if the lackeys aren't being corrected and saying, no, you can't do that, then it, it, it exponentially grows. Like, you know, if nobody's holding anyone accountable for what they're doing, and the king is, most of all, is the one who's supposed to be making sure that there is order and justice in his, his nation. 
Yeah, Dave. You want to read it for us? Yeah, so there you see the expectation for a king. Like, and Israelite kings were supposed to be different. Like, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be the self-aggrandizing tyrants like Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> is. They, they're called to be set apart by God. And the emphasis there is they're the ones who, you know, are, are to take the law, read it every day, and make sure that God's covenant expectations for his people are always set before them. And that is, again, we've seen Jeremiah say that. Uh, you know, Refer back to, to Deuteronomy over and over again. Both the blessings and the curses. If you do these things, it will go well with you. If you do not, you'll lose this land that God is giving you to possess. And we're at that moment where this you know, the curses are coming into play because, you know, as we look, you know, here, you know, we're starting off with kind of generic words to, to kings. Um, as we get deeper into 22, you know, he's addressing specific kings by name. Um, two of them have short reigns, and so he's basically saying bye. Um, and one has a longer reign, and he's really... Like, what are you doing? You're, you're building yourself this huge palace and decorating it and, you know, stealing labor from, from people. And, you know, you're, you're not executing justice and righteous. In fact, you're practicing um, injustice and unrighteousness in order to get yourself a new house. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, you have this contrast, and it seems to be the way that this passage is constructed. It starts off with these kinds of, you know, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteous and deliver from the hand of the oppressor who has, him who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Like, that's the expectation. And then we get into the reality of what's going on in Judah when he starts addressing particular kings, you know, um, uh, you know, Shalom, who is also known as, AKA Jehoaz, um, Jehoiakim, um, uh, later we'll get uh, 
Kaniah, who is uh, also known as Jehoiah King, um, and then Zedekiah. Like, so he's addressing these last four kings specifically of the nation of Judah and contrasting what they do versus what the expectations God has laid out for kings, um, particularly in the book of Deuteronomy. And the, you know, the two words that sum it up are do justice and righteousness. Um, uh, you know, mispot and fair dealing, Sadak. Uh, um, and, and these are covenant law terms. Uh, mishpat having particular reference to the covenant laws and statutes, which it was the duties of judge and kings to administer. Uh, sadaka having to do with what is right and wrong according to the norm. Um, so like one is like the formal law and the other is like doing right. <laughs> um, you know, like there's, there's no law that says I have to uh, be nice to Matthew, but, <laughs> um, but you know, it's right for me to be uh, nice to him. <laughs> <That makes sense>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yes. I have to do things in life, you know, that I don't really want to. No, okay. <laughs> Glad to do it, you know. Um, but it's that, you know, that's the, the kind of the two terms. It's like one is, like formal justice and the other is like right behavior and we need like we need both um, um, we need perfect justice we need perfect righteousness and and as we see in Israel's history and in our own lives we we don't uh, <laughs> experience perfect justice perfect righteousness which um, is and none of these kings do um, and ultimately, that's where, you know, Jeremiah is going to look for a righteous branch, um, a king who will execute perfect justice and righteousness. Uh, these sons of David are terrible <laughs> um, and are going to get, you know, like cut off. Um, but, but God's going to raise up a, a true son of David, uh, a perfectly righteous branch of this, this line of kings. And that is you know, the hope um, for a king who will actually do these things that are expected in the law. Greg, were you going You want to tackle that one, Chris? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an express, there to be an expression, a representative uh, of, of God's perfection. Um, that they're to be performing these things as in their covenant with God to demonstrate, you know, again, that the character of their God is different. And they're a different nation because of their God. They have different kings because of their God. Not because they're special, um, but because their God possesses these characteristics and through them you know these things are made manifest to to the nations around them um, the idea is kind of the idea um, in his words to Kaniah uh, this intention you are the signet ring on my right hand yet I would tear you off and it's that idea the king is like you know the signet ring leaves the king's imprint. Like there, we got lots of tax documents. Like this, this jar of stuff goes to the king. Ring imprint. <laughs> uh, this wine is for the king. King's imprint, and it's that kind of there to be the imprint. These kings are are to be the ones in God's hand who are leaving His imprint. Like they're His representatives, um, and they're supposed to be representing His characteristics. And if they don't do it, then these curses and will fall upon them. And, and again, I, you're absolutely right, Greg. To, it's, it is the exact same words. And he's holding out their, the language from Deuteronomy. There are blessings to be uh, received by obeying God's covenant law, which includes Sabbath, uh, which includes um, doing uh, um, justice for, for those who are most vulnerable. And... The violation is, uh, the curse is the same. The gates are that you're going in and out of the Sabbath are burned. Here, the house that you're elaborately constructing for your own glory rather than for God's glory is getting um, destroyed. And rather than being, you know, the intention is that they're to be representing the character of their God to the nations around them and instead, the nations are walking by. Verse 8, many nations will pass by the city, and every man will say to his neighbor, why has the Lord dealt with this great city, dealt thus with this great city? I don't know why I keep skipping thus. Um, and they will answer, 
because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. Um, as Chris is saying, like, this is the heart of it. Like, they're in, their idolatry is intimately connected with their injustice and um, oppression that they're doing. Like, they're, they're not separate sins. They're at the root, the same sin. They're, re, you know, violating that first commandment. They're rejecting the God who's called them. Um, pardon, I always do this. In our study of Deuteronomy on Friday, uh, we were reading, like, um, you know, Moses is recounting uh, the scene where, like, he's up on the, they've just gotten the Ten Commandments. He's up on the mountain, and, like, he, like from the beginning, <laughs> uh, they start making other gods from themselves. Like, it, it, and that's the, the um, that's what God is trying to root out of them. Like, this idolatrous hearts who want to make idols for themselves, and Augment, you know, kings who want to augment their own glory and power. Um, so let's get into, uh, we, we won't talk much about Shalom. So basically he's saying, you know, uh, you know, don't weep for Josiah. That's weep not for him who's dead nor grieve for him. But weep bitterly for him who goes away. That's Josiah's son, <laughs> uh, Jehoaz. Uh, who's talked about in verses 11 and 12. Again, he only reigned three months, uh, and what we primarily know about him is uh, he gets dragged off into captivity by the Egyptians <laughs> um, and Sia. Um, uh, the Egyptians uh, set up uh, Jehoiakim uh, in his place, and that's who verses 13 um, through uh uh, 23 are, are focused on Jehoiakim. Um, so as we look at King Jehoiakim, what are some of the specific uh, things that Jeremiah, or God through Jeremiah, um, is, is doing? Like, uh, how, how would you assess Jehoiakim's reign uh, here? Uh, and again, that, it's starting in verse 13. His name's not mentioned until verse 18. Um, but it's it's pretty clear. 18's the pivot. Like so, we start talking about Jehoiakim. He's he's named, and then what's going to happen to him comes after. So we we're kind of give a description of what he does. We're told it's him, and then we get the judgment that befalls him. Yeah, Dave. I mean, lots of people do it. Like, you take whoever's king who does, you don't like their policies, you take them off the throne and then put your puppet on the throne. Yeah, you got to, um, yeah. Uh, the nation itself has to be in a weak point. The person who's getting replaced has to be personally weak. Um, and we see that, like, in his description of uh, Jehoiakim, um, or Coniah, as he calls him here, um, is this man, Coniah, a despised broken pot, a vessel that no one cares for? Why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land they do not know? Like, he's another, like, we got two kings here who each one reigned three months. 
One got replaced by the Egyptians, the other got replaced by the uh, choice of the Babylonians. Um, and, you know, that, the word for pot there is like, it's the common pot. <laughs> it's, it's not a fancy, uh, you know, like, it's, you know, just the everyday kind of stuff that gets broken constantly. So it's not, it's not the, the word, like there are, there are lots of words for pots. <laughs> um, and there are pots that are, you know, of significantly higher value. Um, with uh, Koniah there, uh, it's, it's not a, a valuable, he's not being compared to a valuable pot. Um, so yeah, but this practice of, you know, you take out one king and put in the guy you're thrown. And the guy that gets put, put on, uh, Jehoiakim, uh, uh, reigns for 11 plus years. So uh, he's on the throne for a little bit. And that's who Jeremiah focuses on, his wrongdoing. So what Jehoiakim, um, what, what is happening in his reign that Jeremiah is focusing on? Yeah, he, he's building himself, a, a, sounds like a really nice house. <laughs> um, you know, he's building himself a, a nice house through oppression, as you say. He's taking his fellow Israelites, um, and just as we read that passage from Deuteronomy, whether they're sojourners, like, he, he, he still has to pay them. Um, but here, he, the, the focus is he's taking people, he's making his neighbor serve him for nothing, and does not give him wages. Um, all for the purpose of, you know, who says, I will build myself a great house with spacious upper rooms, who cuts out windows for it, and the word there, it's like double windows, so it's not just like, you know, narrow slots in the wall, it's like, you know, the big expensive windows that, you know, uh, that would never fit in my house. <laughs> like, I don't have a wall that big. Uh, you know, so big, spacious windows, uh, so lots of light, paneling it with cedar, painting it with vermilion, like it's, you know, it's a palace. <laughs> uh, he's building a palace for himself through oppression. Um, and I love this, this line, uh, you know, uh, do you think you're a king because you compete in cedar? <laughs> You think the outward appearance of being a king, having all the trappings of the king, the externals of king, having a palace makes you a king. No. <laughs> uh, and he compares him to his father. Um, did your father eat and drink? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me? Like, you know, what, you know, judging the cause of the poor and needy, then it was well, is not this to know me, declares the Lord. That's what makes a king. Doing justice, uh, making sure, uh, doing right by your people, not oppressing them, 
it's not that big fancy house. That's not what makes you a king. <laughs> We're not judging kings by the way the world judges kings or, or you know, esteems people. We're judging kings by God's standard, which is you know, looking at, to go back to what Chris said earlier, what's in the heart. Um, it's not the outward uh, pomp and splendor that makes a true king. It's these inner qualities of being... Um, concern for the poor and needy, to do justice and righteousness. And in contrast to his father, um, Josiah, Jehoiakim is um, building his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice. So it's like he's doing the complete opposite of what God has called him to do um, and he's doing it, uh, as Scott says, simply to augment himself and to build himself. Uh, a, you know, it, I mean, it sounds lovely. I mean, who, who wouldn't want big windows and cedar paneling, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, fancy paint? <laughs> um, but it, it, that's not what makes a king. <laughs> Do you think you're a king because you compete in cedar? I think that's my favorite line coming out of this week. Like. Uh, you know, really? <laughs> like, what, what makes a true king? A, a true king is someone who, uh, who, who does justice and righteousness. Good. Other things about Jehoiakim. Yeah, Matthew? The contrast between, all right, what 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 makes a good king? <laughs> you know, is it someone who rules with with wisdom, who who follows God's law, um, who administers justice, or is it the guy who builds himself a big fancy palace, like who would you and oppresses people to do it? Like, I mean, if you ask us, like we're in a democratic society, which king would you choose? <laughs> None of us are choosing Jehoiakim. <laughs> Like, you know, it's, he's, he's robbing the people to augment your, himself. And as, as Matthew says, he's, he wants the, you know, he wants the, the benefits without doing the work. <laughs> um, uh, he, he wants the, the stuff for him without the, doing the stuff that his people expect and need as a king. Um, he's being selfish rather than being selfless.
Yeah, that, that, you know, like he's building this splendid house and it burns down. Like, you know, it, it's going to get completely destroyed. Rather than investing in the thing that does last. You know, that's like when Jesus tells us, like, don't put your, your trust in the things that, you know, malls or thieves can take away from you. You know, you know, look for that eternal inheritance. And how is that eternal inheritance manifested? Righteousness. Justice. Those are the, the things that keep the people in the land, not fancy palaces of the king. Uh, and a king who, if you look at verse 17, um, you have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, for practicing oppression and violence. Like here, here's, he's, he's called to be a shepherd. You know, think about his, his uh, ancestor David, you know, who was an actual shepherd, and then, you know, because he had a heart after that of the Lord, you know, made, a, you know, a king after God's own heart um, versus, you know, someone like Saul who is judging things only by outward circumstances and is acting foolishly. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, but still, he, he's still a king over God's people, and he has God's expectations. Um, he can turn his trust to God. He's got God's prophets who come to him, and if you flip over to um, uh, Jeremiah 26, uh, verse 20, there was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah, the son of Shemaiah from Kiriath-Jerim, he prophesied against this city and against this land in words like those of Jeremiah. And when King Jehoiakim, with all his warriors and his officials, heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard of it, he was afraid and fled and escaped to Egypt. Then King Jehoiakim sent to Egypt certain men, Elnathan the son of Achbor, and others with him. And they took Uriah from Egypt and brought him to King Jehoiakim, who struck him down with a sword and dumped his dead body in the burial place of the common people. So, like, the shed, he, like, okay, so he's a puppet. He still doesn't need to shed innocent blood. Like, you know, he doesn't have to, like, he's a puppet doesn't mean he has to build a great house. Like, he can still, you know, having been put into kingship by an external extort, Authority, he can still act the way God has called him to act.
he is playing his part in judgment, but uh, again, I think every time Jeremiah calls someone to turn, you know, and, and that's the word he uses, to, to turn, you know, like, don't do this, turn. It, it's, it's, God's not being, like, it, it's, like, yes, we know the judgment's coming, and, 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 and he is going to be another step in, toward that ultimate destruction. He, he, yeah, like he's giving Jehoiakim and Zedekiah and all these guys have an opportunity to turn, to repent, and they don't. <laughs> so the, the, the choice before them is a real choice. Yes, we know that God has determined to bring about destruction of his people and the time he's done with um, long-suffering, the judgment is, is coming, but the offer to repent and return is real. Like, so we have to hold those two things in tension. Um, the offer is real. The judgment is surely coming. Like, you know, it's, it's, God is, is big enough to do both, if that makes sense. All right, uh, well, we're at time. So um, uh, let me close here uh, in prayer. But uh, again, you know, the, the point of the, this chapter is he establishes, you know, the covenant expectations of kingship. And again, the, the idea of, of social justice here, it's social justice reflecting their covenant with God, reflecting the character of what God loves and is concerned with, the people who God uh, puts these under shepherds to shepherd, uh, you know, and they're, that's the expectation, and the reality is those are the people who are being oppressed, taken advantage of, uh, rather than receiving um, justice, they're getting injustice. Instead of the king um, dispensing righteousness, he's um, augmenting gain through unrighteousness. Rather than bringing peace, he's bringing violence and oppression. Um, and so the judgment is coming, and, and that's why we see, you know, the hints of the ultimate exile through these, you know, through um, Shalom and uh, Kaniah being exiled from their reigns. That's just kind of like anticipation of the ultimate exile of the people. Um, you know, and the, their doom lay in their refusal to obey um, uh, their God. Uh, so that is a warning for us, <laughs> but it's also a hope for us that we can trust uh, in the true king. Um, and actually, I, I did mark it. To, so, you know, uh, our, our trust is in that king that Isaiah spoke of. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. That righteous branch from the stump of Jesse, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, as we close, let's go to him in prayer. Uh, gracious God, uh, our Lord Jesus, we do thank you, you that you are our perfect king. Um, as we uh, look at these kings of Judah, 
um, we see uh, people uh, much like us and much like uh, the people we see in power in our current day um, who look to um, their own benefit uh, to build themselves up, uh, to use their positions of power to amass riches for themselves, um, rather than um, doing what is right, rather than administering justice. Uh, so, uh, Lord, as, as we see the, the injustice that the prophet Jeremiah uh, spoke about, and we see the injustice in our current land, um, help uh, that um, cause us to cry out uh, for you to come and to um, make your reign uh, known uh, to the earth, that uh, your perfect righteousness and justice would be manifest uh, to all, even as your kingdom uh, has already come. Uh, may, we, may we long for the coming of our King. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, help us to worship you now as we uh, gather together uh, and uh, sing and uh, pray and hear your word proclaimed. Uh, may we uh, praise you not just with our lips, but with our hearts, um, that we would be a people who long for the things um, that you long for, um, that uh, seek um, to emulate um, the things you've called us uh, to do and the people you've called us to be. Uh, even as we know that um, uh, our standing uh, comes not from our work, from, but from the perfect work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, help us to worship him now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.